It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our look around the Big 12 Conference and getting to know the new members as well as the older members of the conference continues with a look at the Houston Cougars. Parker Ainsworth joins us. We talk all things Cougars versus Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Welcome into a Locked On crossover edition of the podcast. Joined by Parker Ainsworth. He's the host of Locked On Cougs, C-O-O-G-S, of course, covering the Houston Cougars. Parker, what's up, my man? Not much. We got to have some real distinctions in this episode. We don't want to. It's a crossover. We don't want to cross over too too much. Yeah, we got we got Cougs versus Cougs, and that's the fun part about this. Two new programs coming into the Big Twelve together. Both of them sharing the same mascot. I do have some recent history going head to head with one another. So we're gonna have some fun talking about this. But a quick reminder for all of you out there: Thank you for making Locked On Cougars on the BYU side your first listen of the day. Also, same thing for Locked On Cougs on the Houston side. And thank you for being everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Appreciate you guys uh, being a part of our day, essentially, uh, on this podcast. All right, Parker. So first things first, I think BYU fans, I mentioned, have some familiarity with the Houston Cougars. They played them a few times during the independent era and uh, had relatively good success against Houston. But this is a different-looking Houston squad under Dana Holgerson. So I'm going to start there. Uh, How do things look with Coach Holgerson at the helm of the Houston Cougars? (laughs) <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is I think there's like 330 teams in America that would love to have Dana Holgerson and the Houston fan base is very hot and cold, depending on the week. Um, he, you know, he, I think if you look at the 12 and two season, just a couple years ago, um, you know, they played Cincinnati in the American athletic conference championship game. Cincinnati would go on to play in the college football playoff, a very successful season by all accounts. They beat Auburn, the Birmingham bowl. And that was two seasons ago. Uh, and then last season they played a handful of one score games and some did not go their own way. Uh, I think they finished at eight and five after mm-hmm. the bowl game. Right. So the, again, hot and cold, hot and cold. The real deal has been, um, there's been moments where the offense is an explosive Dana Holgerson offense. And there's been moments where it's not. <laughs> and so um, that, that I think, would be the, like, best, you know, elevator pitch on how Dana's been in Houston so far. But always entertaining, to say the least. Well, that's the thing about that. I think most uh, BYU fans at least have a cursory uh – knowledge of Dana because of his connection with Mike Leach, who is, of course, a BYU alumnus and uh, obviously uh, dearly departed Mike Leach, and may he rest in peace. But uh, with regards to how Houston moves forward here, I, I want to start off with kind of like a 30,000-foot question on where you think Houston is relative to their preparedness level going into the Big 12 Conference. You know, honestly, at a lot of positions uh, specifically, I would feel very, very comfortable. I mean, the wide receiver room is great. Some real, like, true blue pros in that room. Obviously just graduated Tank Dell as well, right? Um, D-line, I actually feel very good about the pass rushing aspects of the D-line. Um, I, I like some of the guys who just had transfer in on the defensive backfield. Um, quarterback battle happening. We'll see who ends up winning the quarterback battle. But both guys are transfers in from other Power 5 programs. 
the question mark has been the offensive line. And I think as BYU, you're transitioning in the Big 12, moving the Power 5, you're seeing the same kind of thing. But it's an offensive line that ranked really, really high in pass blocking and pro football focus kind of statistics, analytics and stuff. Um, pass blocking over the last couple of years, they hired a new offensive line coach. A lot of the depth is transferred out. One starter also transferred out. And they've kind of been replenishing it in the transfer portal in the last couple of months. Um, and so that's going to be the big question mark. That's going to be, you know, can you protect whomever's taking the snaps to get the ball to many of your talented receivers? You mentioned the the quarterback battle there. You mentioned transfers coming in. Uh, from my outside perspective, I would favor Donovan Smith, my personal thought on that. Uh, do you think he is the guy or do you think this is truly a 50-50 split essentially? Well, I will say when they canceled the spring game for weather, that certainly let us all down because that was the thing we were looking for is who looked better in that game. Um, Donovan Smith has some starts under his belt. He started at Texas Tech and frankly beat Houston while he was starting at Texas Tech. Um, He's a big, strong runner, uh, runs over linebackers kind of guy. Lucas Coley is not quite as tall, but also an athletic runner type of quarterback. Um, And he transitioned from Arkansas actually the year before but was never on the field or in the depth chart at Arkansas. He was the backup last season for Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon is now an Arizona Cardinal, um, but he never really got on the field in any passing or crucial situation. Um, so we're, we're really kind of blind as to what he looks like. We kind of know what Donovan Smith looks like, which I think leans most of us to think like, well, we know Donovan Smith looks all right, right? Um, I will say that the, the, the bugs I place around sounds like they're kind of splitting reps still as of the end of spring practice. Okay. Um, I think both do different things well, and I think that's kind of where we're at. We'll know a lot more come the fall. But Donna Smith having Big 12 starts under his belt probably helps him out a little bit. Now, uh, you mentioned it. They, they did cancel their spring game. I know that was very disappointing to Houston fans to have that canceled. Uh, BYU, under Kalani Satake, since he took over with the Cougars, he's been very reticent to really do a true spring game, but he's never outright canceled uh, that. Uh, can, I, I, didn't mean, I meant to ask you about this at some point, so let's just get it out of the way right now. What went into that decision? Why would you cancel the spring game? Well, it was you know open admission, and they were going to have a you know. A, family and friends and recruits and so on a torrential downpour and lightning, I think was the real key came through Houston that weekend. Um, and so they had to move it inside Well, the indoor practice facility doesn't have stands or seats or anything like that. So I still had recruits and I think players got, you know, some players got a small amount of family members or whatever. Um, but no media and no fans and none of that. Um, they had a practice though. They, they had a they had final practice. The big thing there was because of when they started practice NCAA rules, they couldn't like postpone the game any further and all those kinds of, you know, basic rule things, I guess. Um, I have to say, though, that there's a lot of excitement on moving to the Big 12, and that was kind of air out of the balloon, man. Like, that was a real letdown for sure. Well, and I, I can understand that because BYU ran was running into – it was almost a similar situation. We've had a really, really uh, – I'll say, frankly, a rough winter here along the Wasatch Front, and uh, there was obviously concern about snow leading up to BYU spring game, but as you mentioned, there is a finite period that you have to fit in these practices, and BYU essentially just had to push forward – they got pretty decent weather in the end with regards to their spring scrimmage that they called it. It was more of a practice, honestly. But, yeah, I, I can see where the thought process went into that. And, obviously, uh, better safe than sorry, which I can completely understand on Houston side of things. Now, uh, 
getting back to on the field topics with regards to the Houston Cougars. This is a, uh, and this is my outsider perspective. I, I'm a big college football fan at heart. The reputation of Houston going back for decades, back to the Andre Ware uh, era even, has been high flying offense. And uh, Dana Holgerson, you already mentioned, kind of hot and cold with regards to sometimes it looks really good, other times it, it struggled. But how good, I, w- I want to ask about the other side of the ball. How good is Houston's defense? Man, it's a bunch of new names. And I don't mean that like, but with no spring game and a bunch of names, they have transfers in from A&M and Oklahoma on the defensive line, um, edge rush type guys. They had a, a, an all-conference caliber guy at nose tackle last season, in the American Athletic Conference, so you're hoping you'll pull him over. Um, the linebacking core, they lost a middle linebacker, Donovan Mooton. He is, uh, I guess, in camp. He was an undrafted free agent with the Indianapolis Colts. Um captain kind of guy so we'll see how that goes they're moving a safety that's put on some good weight down in the box as a linebacker so i guess we'll see how Hassan hippolyte does at that um a couple transfers in the corner as well i mean it really is a lot of new faces i will say that you know when they went 12 and 2 doug Belk's defensive coordinator did really really well and then last year when they went eight and five they gave up 77 points to smu so yeah again it's this hot and cold up and down roller coaster for the last couple of years um they certainly win with offense more often than not, though. Now, uh, last thing for me, and then we'll flip it over and let you kind of pepper me with questions, is uh, with regards to Houston coming into the conference, BYU and Houston are not scheduled to play in 2023. Uh, don't necessarily know when they will be officially squaring off, but in terms of the the familiarity from the Houston perspective, how familiar are Houston fans with BYU? Um, I think the deal is, is because BYU is a national brand, there's some you know, interest just as far as like the entire country watches BYU at some point. I mean, who, wh- what was it? They had a one-legged quarterback run around beat Texas a few years back. And we're like, oh, we like that guy, right? <laughs> like, um, so I think there's that. And then the city of Houston, right, is this fourth biggest city in the country, a massive city with college fans from all over the place. And so the national footprint that BYU has is naturally going to have some people in Houston. There's some imprint, just like there's imprint from every school in the city of Houston. Well, that's awesome. All right, so we'll talk more about we'll do more of a BYU specific focus. I'll let Pe- uh, Parker take over from this, but real quick, let's get a word in on our friends over at Built Bar. And I know Parker, I'm going to ask you this question: You're a relatively new host to the Locked On Network. <laughs> have you had a chance to enjoy a Built Bar yet? I have, and frankly, I love Built Bars. They're the things like of the sponsors we have. Yeah. I actually ate them before um, okay. as a teacher on the go in the mornings. Uh-huh. I grab a couple and way to work, and that's breakfast. I love the coconut almond though. How about yourself? Uh, so I've actually, I'm a big fan of coconut almond. I will give you that. My all time favorite though is the grasshopper cookie. That 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 one just for whatever reason that one does it for me. The best part is, as you mentioned, they're a great. On-the-go snack, honestly. The macros on them are absolutely incredible. We talk about this all the time on these podcasts. 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, but 17 grams of protein packed in. It's brain fuel, and it's fantastic. As Parker says, you can take it on the go with you, stick it in your bag, you can have it in the car. And the best part is, it's a delicious treat. Covered in 100% real chocolate. You can uh, just enjoy it, and you will not believe how good it tastes versus how good it is for you guys. So I want to encourage you to pick up your Built Bars today. You can get them in your local stores. I know down there in Texas, Parker, if I understand you have them at Walmart and Costco and I think even Sam's Club, right? 
Sam's Club, Walmart, the pharmacy section of the Walmart, they got the little four-bar box of a bunch of flavors. Sam's Club, you get to 13. It's a great, you know, family-sized value box, especially with a couple teachers in our household grabbing a cup on the way out the door. We, we got to get the bigger box here. Yes, yeah, <laughs> same thing over here at the Hatch household. We love it. Also, you can go to Built.com. If you need to order a custom flavor, you can do that at Built.com. You can save 15%, though, at Built.com using the promo code LOCKEDON15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5 for 15% off your order. Best part is, as Parker and I will attend, test to they are the best tasting protein bar so enjoy them that's our friends at built bar all state wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during march your eyes are on the road but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet and if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket so switch to all state save money and get protected from mayhem like this Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Thank you once again for joining us here on Locked On Cougars and Locked On Cougs, a crossover edition of the podcast uh, looking at Houston and BYU. And uh, Parker, I'm going to turn the time over to you. So what, what do you need to know about the BYU Cougars? Well, first and foremost, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people in Houston are familiar with the brand and the name, but you mentioned Houston has been an offensive like powerhouse or offensive identity for a long, long, long time. BYU has kind of changed every few years. I mean, you mentioned like that you, I mentioned, I guess they beat Texas years back from the bought round and all that kind of stuff. I, I got to ask though, what is the identity of like the current iteration of the BYU Cougars? BYU's kind of tapped more into their history. They came up in, into prominence under Lavelle Edwards with that high-flying passing offense. And uh, Aaron Roderick, who is a former BYU wide receiver, has been the offensive coordinator for the past three seasons uh, as the full-time OC. And he has really kind of adopted into that mentality. They're going to run the ball. They like to be as balanced as they possibly can be. But the one thing A-Rod, as we call him out here in Utah, is, loves doing, he loves taking shots down the field. He will run, 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 set up a play-action pass, and burn you for a 30-yard over the top if he can manage to do so. That's what he loves. He likes taking shots when afforded the opportunity to do so. But the overall identity for BYU is trying to be as balanced as possible, but they still tap into those roots of being that high-flying passing offense. Well, and so in being a high-flying passing offense, the Houston Cougars, I mentioned, have a very talented wide receiver room. Again, I think a couple pros are sitting in that room once they are eligible for draft in a couple years. Um what what's the best room or best position room at BYU? Who's dominating the field? Uh, so are you speaking offensively as what, I, as what I'm assuming? Oh, I decided the ball, I guess, okay. frankly, but I assumed yeah. it was offense. Well, yeah, so I, I think the chief strength for BYU, funny enough, is the offensive line because the way they've gone about their transfer portal additions this offseason, they've actually kind of focused on the O-line more so than we originally anticipated them doing it, but they've brought in guys who have starting experience across the board. They brought in an Oklahoma State transfer in Caleb Etienne, who was the only 13-game starter for Oklahoma State uh, last season. Didn't necessarily grade out super high on PFF's rankings, but BYU believes he can come in. He was a left tackle at Oklahoma State. They think they're probably going to move him over to right tackle, opposite of Kingsley Suomataia, who's probably going to be a first-round draft pick, if you believe the mock drafts right now, uh, with regards to next year's NFL draft, and they feel like they have two bookend tackles. And the be- uh, the good news is they feel like they have probably five or six other guys that can slot inside and make up a pretty good offensive front. And the one thing, BYU under Kalani Sitake, when they've been at their best, think back to that 2020 season, 
when they made that run was Zach Wilson. He barely got touched. His offensive line was so good that year. He was able to sit in that pocket and just deliver strikes down the field. BYU hopes that this year they can get back to doing more of that, obviously with Keaton Slovis under center. Well, so talk to me. First of all, it sounds like we should just combine Cougars, go red, white, and blue, and we'll just have a great – you got the line, we got the other guys, it'll be yeah. great. Um, as I look at your team, you know, Houston has – we mentioned our offensive line is a concern moving to the Big mm-hmm. 12. It, we're a little scared about how it's going to do or, or worried about how it's going to do because it's been a different level of competition, different mm-hmm. size guys. Is there any fear of the BYU moving into the Big 12 or because you all have played – the Big 12 caliber teams in the past in non-conference, are you, are you feeling okay about it? Uh, the issue for BYU is having quality depth, and I think it's a similar situation to what Houston's facing. Is Your frontline guys, first stringers, uh, I think for Houston and BYU, can hang with any team in the Big 12, first string against first string. The problem is guys get worn out. They get injured. When you have to dip down to the second and third string type guys, that is where the difference really comes for a G5-level type program like BYU and Houston have been as they make the jump up to the Power 5 level level. BYU's coaches, led by Kalani Sitake, as well as his offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, and new defensive coordinator Jay Hill are all former Kyle Whittingham assistants who were on Kyle Whittingham's staff at Utah when Utah made the transition to the Pac-12, and they have seen it firsthand how you need to go about building a roster to compete at the Power 5 level. Are they where they want to be? No, absolutely not. It's probably going to take them, I think, two or three years to really build up to where they think that they can uh, compete with the second and third stringers being on the same level as their uh, at the new Power Five compatriots, but they are working diligently at building that. Well, so talk to me a little bit because we're both working at the Power Five level mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Um, but I'm a little jealous because you've gotten to see this team yeah. in a more game like fashion recently. So first, what's that like? But second, what did you take away? What What did you walk away and talk about on your show after the spring game? Uh, biggest thing is is that I think Keaton Slovis is poised, hopefully, to make a little bit of a rebound. He obviously had a little bit of a downer year during his one season with Pitt after previously uh, being a very good quarterback, all things considered, at USC. Uh, the hope is BYU is expecting him to get more of that form he showed at USC when he was a dark horse Heisman Trophy contender as a sophomore there uh, in L.A. Uh, versus what he showed at Pitt this past year. Only time will tell if that ultimately is, gonna, is what's going to transpire on on the football field. If you went just simply by the spring game, uh, he did not necessarily look the sharpest, but BYU admitted after the game, their offensive creator walked up, walked up to the media scrum, which I was a part of, and said, sorry guys, we kept that very, very bland for you. And so he apologized that they purposely just, they did not want to have anything out there. And I, the But in the practice sessions, which we were able to go watch, Keaton Slovis showed some flashes. He's got the ability to really throw it down the field. The biggest thing will be, is it more of the pick Keaton Slovis, or what we saw from him at USC and BYU's banking on seeing uh, on getting what they saw from him at USC. You mentioned Slovis. You mentioned a couple linemen, and I'm a former line guy myself. Yeah. I love the linemen, but they're not as sexy a name typically as you, you want. Like as an outsider looking in, I'm like, okay, who else could I? Who, oh, I've got to scout that. What other? What sexier names are there to look at at BYU? Who else stands out? Now, they have a, a tight end who who I think has got NFL uh, op, a potential in him. His name is Isaac Rex. He's been around BYU for three years now. Uh, he suffered a pretty horrific ankle injury at the tail end of the 2021 season in, in a win over USC in the regular season finale, a compound dislocation of his ankle. Uh, most of us expected him to maybe potentially miss 
the entire uh, entirety of last season. He actually was back on the field, went through the entirety of training camp, and he maybe played at like 75% for BYU, honestly, last year with all that hardware. He had plates and screws in that ankle, uh, and he played about 70 or 80% uh, last season, but still was second on the team in touchdown receptions last year. He gutted his way through it. The thing is, he had all that hardware taken out this past offseason, and in spring ball, he looked like a new man. He was moving easier. He He's he's everything you want to see in, in an NFL caliber tight end. 6'6", 260 pounds, just as adept running routes as he is in run blocking. So looking forward to seeing a bounce back season from him. And the other uh, name I'll mention is on the defensive side of the football. Uh, BYU's defense was not very good last year, but they have a couple of guys who made some highlight reel plays. And the one that's most notable is Max Tooley. He's a little bit of a tweener. He's not the biggest guy in the entire world, but what he does is he makes plays. He's just as adept uh, rushing the passer as he is dropping into coverage. He had two pick sixes a year ago for BYU, and they're hoping that with this new defense or under a new defensive coordinator, he can really unlock uh, his potential and maybe take it to a new level. Gotcha. And then just quickly, as we're looking, you know, we're about to, I think, talk about, we both have beef, I assume, with the 4.5 FanDuel uh, over-under set for the season. Uh-huh. But speaking of seasons, uh, the Houston Cougars are notorious for, like I said, last season they gave up 77 points to SMU in football mm-hmm. and did not give up over 70 to SMU in basketball either time. <laughs> is there any chance that if these two dynamic offenses sound like met up on the field one time, we'd have that kind of a shootout as well? Uh, in theory, it could. And it obviously would depend on how things looked and the, the structure and the format and how, how far down the road before they ultimately do get the chance to square off. I, frankly, I was I was sincerely hoping that BYU essentially would play the other three newcomers, speaking of UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston, in their debut season just because they're the newcomers. They should play each other, I feel like. And I also wanted BYU to play Texas in Oklahoma on their way out the door in Big 12 play. That's If you would have had me create the Big 12 schedule, they would have had those teams on there. As it stands, BYU only gets Cincinnati of the newcomers uh, coming in, so it'll take a little bit before BYU and Houston get together, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. You could see one of those true shootouts uh, if these two programs were to meet up. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Gotcha. And like I said, I think when or I want to ask you some about how our FanDuel, our partners of FanDuel have been, mm-hmm. you know, Kind of hard on the two of us, so giving us both a four and a half game over under, a four and a half win over under for next season. Um, and I guess we can jump into that in the third segment here. Well, so yeah, well, I, I'm just, I'm going to poise this question to you, Parker. I've been I've been a kind of a broken record on my podcast, speaking of locked on Cougars on the BYU side, saying that the goal this year for me for BYU going in, into the first season in the Big Twelve football wise is simply get to a bowl game, win six games. Now the schedule obviously you've got you got to negotiate that, but I think the front half of BYU's schedule could favor them potentially starting as as good as four and one, and then, then at that point in the remaining seven games you got to pick off two wins, and I don't. Think that's out of the realm of possibility. So, if you were to ask me if I'm if I'm laying uh, money on this, I'm laying big money on BYU hitting the over. What's your take on Houston at four and a half? 
they've got Houston at four and a half as well. And I, I'm feeling like the over two, if they play three non-conference against teams that they ought to beat. Now UTSA is a growing group sure. of five team, but yeah. UTSA rice and Sam Houston, those ought to be three wins for a big 12 team in my mind. Right. Um, and then you mentioned that you wanted to play more of the, you know, new teams to the, to the big 12 Houston gets Cincinnati mm-hmm. and UCF. Those are teams that are supposed to be on our level, right? Moving into this conference, that's five before I've even flipped a coin against like Baylor, right? Like, yeah. like I, I feel like something here. I mean, Oklahoma State's kind of had a down year last year. Um, there, there just seem like there are very quickly five, six, seven, all of a sudden. And what, without diving into it and giving away too much of the summer content, I, I, th- I think this is a team that could also very well be into a bowl game here. Um, I look at the schedule as fairly favorable for Houston. Um, they have a West Virginia game on a Thursday night, and they get to play Texas. 10 days later until while well, Texas is predicted to be very strong next season, Houston's got a lot of time to prepare for them. And I, I think that's a game that they could show up and show out is in Houston. That's a big, big rivalry for Houston um, dating back to the Southwest conference days. Right. Uh, and that's a big, that's a good thing for us. I, I feel good about the schedule and I was surprised to see four and a half. Were you surprised? I, you want to be six win, but do, sure. were you surprised yourself four and a half? I, I, frankly, I was because essentially every other book I saw out there who's put out these odds have had BYU either at six or six and a half as their over under. So I, I feel like if you if, if you want to get to FanDuel, it's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go check it out. Our friend, they're, they're a big sponsor of ours here on the network. I would lay big money on, on BYU hitting that over because I, it, to me, it feels like free money. And I think you'd probably I, I the way I, you were kind of talking about Houston it feels like in some ways it could be free money for both Cougar uh, programs I feel like it should and I frankly feel like uh if it's not the next por- portion of your money should go to does Dana Hogerson not coach the next season <laughs> because there will be people upset if it's less sure. than four if it's I mean five we'll talk but they're less than four I think people have a problem now I I, I want to expand that out a little bit and ask you uh, you had a chance to look at these over-unders uh Texas has the the top over-under in the conference their favorite according to FanDuel if you go by this as the top dog in the conference at nine and a half wins but kind of cascades down from there because BYU and Houston as we already talked about they're the lowest at 4.5 is there another team or teams that you're seeing on that list Parker that scream to you okay either you're taking the under or you think that another program may hit the over well, you know, it's probably my own bias coming from the American Athletic Conference, but Cincinnati was just in a college football playoff not that mm-hmm. long ago. They over the course of those two seasons, they went something like twenty three and two. Yeah. Like five and a half wins feels low, and and I know that they were exceptional. They had Sauce Gardner taking away half the field and those kinds of things, mm-hmm. but just as a program, that feels low to me. And then I would also go to kind of in a similar vein, like TCU at seven and a half. Like they got a bunch of transfers. Sonny yep. Dykes just got there, has that thing rolling. You know, I understand they might not go back to the college football playoffs this year, but seven and a half also feels low to me. I see, and I, I would agree with you on that because I had a chance to catch up with Alex Frank, who hosts Locked On Bearcats, and he talked about it. We're not that far removed from going to the college football playoffs. Speaking of the Bearcats, and he he was of the opinion that uh, Cincinnati should be gunning for a little bit higher. Uh, I also think that TCU, when you come off a run to the national title game, I know they got shellacked in the national title game, but they still beat Michigan head to head, folks. We we it feels like we forget about that, and they have to reload on offense. And I had a chance to catch up with Stephen Simcox as well, and he. He is of the opinion he thinks that they can make another run at the Big 12 title. Now, a run towards the college football playoff versus the Big 12 title game are two different things, but it feels like FanDuel across the board in some ways, Parker, and let's see if you agree with me on this, maybe undervaluing a number of these Big 12 squads. Yeah, I wonder it's almost if, like, so they set the over-under for 
UT Austin at nine and a half. Yeah. It's almost like with everyone else being low, they kind of think UT Austin, Oklahoma run through this thing at the end. Um, and at the last year in the conference, I yeah. say it when I mean the end. And I, I just, you, UT Austin may very well win the conference. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know that they run through it in that kind of a sense though. I don't think Oklahoma bounces back that, that quickly. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley left and took a lot of stuff with him. <laughs> um, and Caleb Williams being that lot of stuff, I guess I, so maybe they're predicting those teams or they're using the models that show those two teams running through the conference. Cause in some years it's happened like that. I just don't think it's going to next year. Yeah. And that, that's going to be the interesting part to see what happens. Cause I think any uh, big 12 fan that it's not a sooner or a longhorn, uh, they don't want those two to be playing for the big 12 title in their final season here. You want to see one of the, the, I guess the, the new guard in a way, the 12 teams that are going to remain in this conference beyond this fall. You want to see at least one of them, if not uh, both representatives in that game down there at AT&T stadium, uh, not being either Texas and Oklahoma and, I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see. Definitely. Um, you know, it, it'd be a rematch of the Cotton Bowl from across the city of Dallas. Yeah. Let's have somebody new there. Let's let's get somebody new there. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Parker, it's been a blast to catch up with you. Like I said, I'm hoping uh, very soon, relatively, that we'll see BYU and Houston squaring off. Uh, where can uh, listeners find your podcast and where can they find you on social media? Yeah, on all foreign social media, I'm at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512. Locked on Cougs podcast is your daily source for Houston Cougar content. And we're talking in the offseason, it's all things football, looking into the Big 12, what's coming up. Uh, basketball transfer board with the nice so too, so we've hit that some. And then every now and then we talk about this baseball team that, in, in our last season, the American Athletic Conference looked pretty strong, so come check us out. It's a fun, fun show. Yeah, if you want to find Locked On Cougars on the BYU side of things, just search it out, Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm on Twitter, at Jacob C. Hatch, if you want to get my thoughts on all things sports. Of course, the show is available on YouTube. Please subscribe, rate, and review, especially if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts. Five stars only, as we are fond of saying uh, on those ratings. But nonetheless, a big thank you to all of you for making us your first listen of the day, and a big thank you for being first, uh, excuse me, not first airs, everydayers right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. For Parker, I'm Jake. This has been a Locked On crossover edition of the Locked On Cougars and the Locked On Cougs podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.